Hello and welcome everyone to Westside Christian Church. Today, John Wade is bringing the teaching to you. So grab a Bible and join us as we study God's Word together. have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They had seen some pretty weird things in their day. Strange things, both great and terrible. But then came the star. They had gazed up at the heavens oh so many times before. It was what they did as astrologers, as sorcerers. They looked to stars and signs. And they beheld beautiful sights looking up at the stars. And perhaps even once-in-a-lifetime astronomical phenomenon. But this star was totally and completely unique. Its sudden appearance was certainly strange to say the least, but it was more than that. It wasn't just that a star appeared. Stars had appeared before. This was different because it was as though the star moved. And the more they studied and scrutinized their manuscripts and texts, looking for any sign of something that might explain such a strange occurrence, they finally began to wonder, could this be? They went back over their records, poured back over documents, looking for something interesting. The prophetic accounts of the Jews, not their people, not their prophecies, but prophecies nevertheless. And in these writings, they found a series of prophecies so amazing, so profound, that they undertook an expensive and lengthy journey just on the impossible chance that these writings were accurate and that this star was heralding the coming of a king. They left their homes, they left positions, families, prospects, and everything that they knew in search of this king of the Jews, this Christ, this Messiah. If you have a Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, and there we'll find their story. And the source of one of our modern day Christmas carols, hailing from the mid-1800s, It's called We Three Kings, or sometimes it goes under the name The Quest of the Magi. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12 says this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, He was troubled, 
and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Hardly anything is known about these wise men, these magi that we sing about each Christmas, mistakenly as kings. They weren't kings. But we do know one thing for certain from the text. They saw a light in darkness, and they followed it. There's a sign that gets put up on billboards in our parts around this time of year. It says, wise men still see him. I like that sign. Because that's exactly what the Magi did. That's exactly what the wise men did. They sought this Christ, this Messiah, this King of the Jews that was to be born. Interesting, isn't it? A king from a people group that is pretty insignificant globally at this point. They're sought by, he's sought by several fairly wealthy magi. Why? Why in the world would some obscure king from Podunkville merit the time, money, attention of such men? Surely they could care less about the internal political structures and affiliations and conflicts of a little nation like Israel. Why then did they follow? Why did they make such a costly journey at the time that would have been exceedingly dangerous. Travel's not like it is now. You can't just hop on a train. You can't hop in your car and drive down the road. No, travel's expensive and it's dangerous. Why? Why go to the trouble? Because they saw a light in darkness. While we don't know much about the Magi, we do know that they had studied the Old Testament well enough that they recognized signs when they saw them, that the Messiah had come. They knew the prophets and the prophecies so well, and how they spoke of a person who was coming who would be totally different, totally other, totally distinct, totally unlike anyone who had ever been born before. A Savior was coming. A real one, not some politician who promises change but can't deliver. 
Not some pretentious president who presumes to pontificate and proclaim their perverse and profane personal positions as though they were pious precepts. No, this king, this Messiah, this Christ was Savior. And a Savior is exactly what he became. For Messiah is exactly what he was. Years after Jesus' ministry and resurrection, John the Apostle writes what we call the Gospel of John. And in the opening lines of his account, he writes the following. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The light stepped into darkness. What does light do in darkness? It illuminates it. The light comes into darkness and dispels it. It casts it away. It reveals all that the darkness has tried to hide. Light is not hampered by darkness. It has no power over light. Darkness has no power at all because it is nothing is merely absence of light. But make no mistake that light certainly has power over darkness. And in an instant, like flipping on a switch, darkness disappears. My friends, there is no doubt that the world we live in contains evil people who do evil things. But this world is truly so much better than it could be. People ask all the time the wrong question. They ask, why would a good God allow such evil to take place? Now the real question to be asked is, why would God care to restrain as much evil as he possibly, as he has? Why would he care to restrain as much evil as he possibly has? 
Think about all the things that could have gone differently in the history of the world. Think about in the 700s onward when Islam began to rise violently in the Middle East. And not just in the Middle East, but they began to conquer far and wide, all the way up into Europe. Think about Nazi Germany, about Hitler and his Third Reich. Think about the empire that he sought to spread. Think about all the instances of human evil in the world and how they have been restrained by God and constrained by him not to come to the fullness of what their evil could have been. Why do bad things happen? That's the wrong question. Why does anything good happen at all? Because light has come into darkness. Some of you may be confused by those words, light and darkness. What are we talking about? Light and darkness are common symbols. In many cultures, mythologies, religions, even in our storytelling, our philosophy, our politics, our entertainment... Why? Because there is truth behind the symbols. Darkness is a symbol of ignorance, despair, hopelessness, but most of all, evil and sin. Light is a symbol for education, enlightenment, hope, righteousness, goodness, and holiness. When John speaks of the world, we should recognize that, the, that he's speaking of the world that he lives in. The immediate context, his own world. It is a world dominated by evil dictators and monarchs and kings and warlords and emperors. You think we have it bad nowadays? We got nothing on the ancient world. There is so much more freedom and democracy and goodness in the world today than in John's day. In John's world, it's a world where the poor, the widows, the orphans are taken advantage of and oppressed. It's a world where unwanted babies are left in garbage heaps to be eaten by wild dogs. It's a world where rulers are assassinated regularly. It's a world where even the priests of the one true God, Yahweh, are so corrupt that they want to assassinate Jesus using the guise of religion, saying that he's a blasphemer. So understand when John's writing, saying that the light came into darkness, understand how dark the world truly was. And here's a really sad part of what John writes. The world did not know the light and did not receive him. Did you see that? Notice that the world has no power over the light. Jesus cannot be overcome by darkness. The light of the world cannot be overcome. But they also can't receive him. And they don't know him. Why? Why is this world that was created by God so belligerent and hateful towards God? Have you ever taken a tour of a cave? I'm not a big fan of caves myself. I've got to be honest with you. I generally avoid being in places where I start to feel claustrophobic, especially underground. 
But I have taken a few cave tours. I have been on several. And on one tour in particular, I went to a cave that had a pretty spectacular underground body of water. It was worth it. As claustrophobic as I was, as much as I hated being underground, it was pretty cool looking at this underground lake. And while we were there, the guide was talking to us about certain types of fish, cave fish, and how certain types of cave fish, they're either blind or some of them even have no eyes altogether because they live in these underground lakes where there's no light. And I can't help but wonder as I think about those fish that we as human beings aren't kind of like them, that we dive into the deepest and darkest places that we can find so desperately trying to escape the light that exposes our sin and our evil and our weakness. And in the process, we make ourselves blind. We blind ourselves. We gouge out our own eyes so that we cannot see or perceive the light because we hate the light. Romans chapter 1, 18 through 19 says this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be made, for what can be known about God is pl- is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. God has shown us truth. He is Himself light and the truth. And when He revealed Himself to us, we suppressed it. The image of suppression in Greek is this active holding down. It's an active rebellion. People sometimes say, oh, I I don't believe in God. I don't disbelieve either. No, it's active rebellion that you're in to reject God. We swim down into darkness trying to escape and retain our wickedness and our unrighteousness that we're so very fond of. We gouge out our own eyes. We try to turn out the light, but we have no power over it, so we try to suppress the truth. And in the Greek, that word suppress, it's an active present participle, which is a really long way of saying that people are still suppressing the truth today. It didn't just happen once a long time ago. It happens continually. It's an ongoing process of humanity. People suppress the truth. They gouge out their own eyes to keep themselves in darkness and to try to hide from the light of the world. That suppression, it's like when we were kids. You know, if you went to the swimming pool, you had a beach ball, and you climbed on top of it and held it under the water try to stand on top of it. And for a while that works, right? But eventually, what happens? It comes back up. It pops back up out of the water because you cannot suppress it forever. So it is with the truth. We actively hold it down, trying desperately not to let it up. But eventually it pops right back up because we have no power over the light. There is no hiding, my friends. 
Remember what I said about darkness. Darkness has no power. Light has power to extinguish darkness. But darkness has nothing. It is nothing. John says the darkness has not overcome it. Despite our best efforts, humanity cannot overcome the light of the world. And praise God that it is so. Because for those who God opens their eyes, for those whose blindness he heals, for those whose darkness he dispels, there is joy in his, when we see his glory. There is hope because the light has illuminated the world. This time of year, our thoughts turn to Christmas. We see the decorations, we hear the songs, we eat all the good things that there are to eat, and there are so many good things to eat. We sing songs not thinking about the lyrics or their meaning. We sometimes miss so much of the symbolism in so many of our traditions. How many times have you heard the song, We Three Kings? When I started doing some looking, I tried to find a good rendition of it to play for you this morning. And I honestly, I couldn't decide. There were so many renditions of this. Just on iTunes for sale, there were about 70 versions of it. That's just on iTunes. That's not including all the people on YouTube who sing it. That's not including all the people who they don't have their stuff on iTunes. 70 versions of it. I can't even begin to guess how many are on YouTube or Spotify. How many times in hearing that song have you thought about the light of the world who stepped down into darkness? How many times have you eaten a star-shaped cookie at Christmas and recalled Matthew's account of the Magi's visit and how they followed a star? How many times have you decorated the Christmas tree with all the pretty lights and remembered the hope that we have because Jesus is the light of the world? So many beautiful traditions that we overlook and skip through so quickly. My friends, let's not forget that the reason we have hope is because the light has come into the darkness. Maybe today you don't know who this Jesus is, this light of the world. Maybe you're one of those people that every time Halloween is over, you just can't wait for New Year's to come so that you can get through with all the Christmas stuff and it'll just go away. You're one of those people who's humbug. I don't like the all Christmas all the time station. Maybe you think the world is still such a dark place. But my friends, I'm here today to tell you that there is hope to be had because the light has come into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus has brought us hope 
through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, and through the promise of his return when he will defeat all evil once and for all. And that is where our hope rests in Jesus. Not in a politician, not in a preacher, not in an earthly priest, but in our great high priest, our Savior, our Prince of Peace, Jesus. Today, the call is this, to believe and repent. We're going to have a time of invitation. And if you are here today, it means that God has something in store for you. Maybe you're, want, you're wondering, I'm not sure I believe any of this. God is delivering the message to you today. You are here for a reason. Believe and repent. Trust in Jesus. Let his light illuminate your darkness, and you will have hope. If you need to confess that Jesus is Lord today, we're going to have a time to do that as we stand and as we sing together. Won't you come? Thanks for joining us for the message today. If you would like more information about this and other teachings, or you'd just like to know more about Jesus, visit our website at wccjb.org or come visit us at 1405 Persimmon Ridge Road in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Check our website and Facebook page for service times. We hope you join us again and that we'll see you soon.